Welcome to Behave Intelligently, an uncensored exploration of behavior in the workplace, life, and in the larger world. I'm your host, Jay Johnson, and thank you for joining this week's edition, where we're going to talk about conflict resolution and the behaviors that surround how we can make better relationships and ensure that we're not going to necessarily have to kill the people that we're working with, living with, partnered with, stuck here in our homes as we continue through this crisis. I'm joined by some behavioral all-stars from COIA's creative group, Mark Garrison. Hello. Madison Bennett. Hello. And Stephanie Sim. Hello, hello. So welcome team and uh, pretty excited to talk about this topic. Conflict resolution is obviously one of my favorite things. And we are now, you know, five, six weeks into home quarantine. And there's a lot of people that are uh, really getting to know their roommates, their spouses or anything, probably very differently than they have before. Uh, But that also gives a lot of opportunity for conflict. uh, And and even if we take that a step further, looking at the way that people potentially are experiencing virtual conflicts. So I want to start off with a little bit of a discussion around what are some of the behaviors that you've heard from colleagues, friends, or anything else, like behaviors around the house that may be triggering conflict for you or triggering conflict for other people and constantly having to relive those behaviors? What, what are some of those things that you guys have experienced or heard? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I read in an article about how, you know, college kids had to move back home in some scenarios. And they also had, you know, jobs that they're now working from home, but working from home back in their parents' home. And mom and dad were like, stop working at the kitchen table. That's that's where we eat our breakfast and eat our lunch. But they didn't really have a space to work. And mom and dad didn't really make it easy on them. And the kids mm-hmm. now had to find a way to work somewhere in the household. So that's super interesting, negotiating shared space and trying to figure out uh, what is and what is not (laughs) acceptable practice at different places. I mean, it's a whole new version of the the kid's schedule on the fridge, right? You know, now now it's not, you know, sports practice or going to school. It's, okay, Johnny's now working. Uh, He gets the kitchen table from 9 a.m. to 11, and then Susie gets it from this time to this time, and we have a, a solid lunch break at this time. Just wait for the bell before you can go to lunch. So yeah, no longer are we fighting necessarily just about uh, shower time in the morning and who gets to go first, but who gets to use the com- the, the commodities around the house right. or whatever it is that you need. Yeah. What about, what about you ladies? Have you heard anything or seen anything exciting behaviors around the home that have created conflict? Uh, the shared space thing is huge for me. Uh, I have two roommates, actually, um, and we're all working from home right now, <laughs> which is a struggle because we all have very different jobs. Uh, like, I just had a text from my roommate before we started recording this because I'm currently in my basement and her bathroom's down here. So I was like, do you need to come down here for anything? Because unfortunately, the walls here are paper thin. You can hear everything. So... Yeah. My one roommate works in healthcare, kind of. Uh, she works with kids with special needs and has to make calls with clients and stuff. So she actually left and went to her parents because it was just too difficult. She basically had to lock herself in a room. And the rooms here, at least, uh, 
for us on the main level, they're pretty small. I don't have a desk in there. Um, since my roommate's gone, she had this desk in the basement that was holding a bunch of stuff. I cleaned it off. I've been using it the past uh, two weeks. Well, before I was in the living room and it was just tough because um, my other roommate works uh, for like a company that does hair and makeup for weddings. So it was just crazy with the phone. Um, you can just hear everything. So yeah. I can hear both of them on the phone. And like if I had been upstairs, you could hear everything and be able to pick it up on the mic. It's been a struggle, um, especially having all three of us here. But now there's just two. It's not so bad. Um, but yeah, working from home is killing me. Another behavior, um, difficulty that might come up is how do you handle it if someone in your household is in a cranky mood or is just really having a hard time and how do you not let that unbalance you or how do you coexist when someone is really, um, giving off that type of negative energy um do you disengage do you try and work it out do you um just give them as much space as possible what if it's not possible to give them that space because your quarters are just that close yeah that's that's definitely been something that i've heard from a handful of different people is like if one person's mood is completely shot then you know one of the things that we obviously talk about in a lot of our trainings is how like emotions and behaviors are really contagious and you know the way that our our brains are wired we actually connect with people based on their mood that's why somebody's you know generally their their mood is going to have an impact on the entire office place or the entire culture and uh when you're in close quarter combat as i've called this you know quarantine close quarter combat with whoever you are living with that can have a huge impact on essentially just the the entire uh, the entire place's happiness. If if one person is uh, overly, you know, is overly optimistic and the other people are not reacting in the same way, or if one person is overly uh, anxious or tired or frustrated and the others are not acting that way, that can definitely create some conflicts. So one of the ones that I have seen, and and I'll share this. I've seen this. I've seen this from a perspective of uh, when somebody wakes up early and somebody doesn't wake up early. Like right now, some people don't have to get up early; they can do whatever it is. But that difference in timing. So you know, somebody gets up early and they decide that they're going to go and uh, use the weight system in the ba basement or something like that. And then the other person's trying to sleep in or has the ability to sleep in. And it's just like, hey, wait a second. Normally they would have gone to the gym, showered at the gym and just left for work. But now that you're in the same space, like those morning routines change, people having to essentially bump into each other, even in different places as they're kind of navigating through their own routines or having to adjust their own routines based on the people that they're staying with. And I think you were going to say something, Mark. Well, it's actually on that same topic. It's interesting how for those that are used to going and working at the office and, and battling conflicts there with their coworkers over coworker routines and systems to now battling roommates, whether they're roommates, spouses, family, or pets, <laughs> you're, battling, you're battling the same routines, but in a different sense at home. I will say that 
that uh, that is one thing that I really have enjoyed about this is seeing people's pictures of who they call their coworkers, whether it's their pets or their kids or anything else. That's been moderately entertaining from this side of the table. I mean, I don't have pets, but you know, those pets are now going, well, wait a minute, you're home. That means we get to go for a walk or we get to go do this or go do that. They don't understand quarantine and, 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 and your work schedule. So they were used to you leaving, being gone for six to eight hours or 10 hours and then coming home and then it was play time or walk time or, or meal time. You know, now it's a, a little different schedule for them. And I've even heard that same stress from people with kids where all of a sudden, you know, normally they're at a nine to five and then they're home every day, but they don't quite understand, okay, I'm home, but I'm still working. So I can't be bothered at this time, but, but you're home and that doesn't make sense. You're not working, you're home, you know? So, right. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned the office. I want to switch gears here for a few. What are some of the behaviors that you've seen uh, you know, in this new remote work environment uh, with people sort of navigating these different uh, channels or navigating different procedures or policies? What are some of these virtual conflicts that you've seen? For example, whether it's on conference calls or just remote behaviors, if, has anybody seen anything unique kind of popping up in that realm? You know, I've, I've seen some stuff where the way people have been using video conferencing systems, whether it's Zoom or WebEx or any of those that, um, while they might be having some fun with it because it's a newer, maybe a newer platform for them using on a regular basis, but like changing the backgrounds to something fun or different, that's, that's great. But that might also be a distraction for somebody else. Some people like that. Like if they're con- like if they're constantly doing it throughout the entirety of the call. Yeah, or something, or something like that, or or somebody else who might have a um, a focus issue, and now they've got to see because uh, some of them I I've not uh, done it, but I've seen that people can create videos and replace the background image with a video file, and so that could be a distraction for somebody else. I saw this. Uh, uh, post on social media where a guy filmed himself earlier in the day using his laptop in the same position and the webcam in the same position filmed himself doing chores in the kitchen but there was a long delay where there was nothing in the background and then all of a sudden he walks in from another door does his dishes and then uh then leaves but then he put that as his backdrop so on the video call for his work meeting He's sitting there with the webcam focused on him, but then all of a sudden in the background, there he is again. (laughs) Now, I thought it was funny and I thought it was, you know, creative, but those are things that might be irritating or distracting to either the person trying to run the meeting because people aren't paying attention. Now they're all like, wait, is that, does does Johnny have a twin? Is that, what's going on right now? (laughs) So some of those types of things challenging for people that are trying to, for the first time ever, run a remote meeting. What about you, you ladies? Have you seen anything that has been kind of out there for people remote working or? I think um, people have different uh, levels at which they engage digitally. And so you can have two ends of the spectrum and I've received both. That person who emails you a million times, even though the email kind of doesn't contain any important information versus someone who 
um, you're emailing, trying to get in touch with, and they're not responding for whatever reason. There are many valid reasons. Um, but then it's frustrating, like, well, I'm home all the time at my laptop. Why aren't you emailing me back? Or on the other side, okay, we get it. Like, you can send all of this information in one email instead of five. So I think that type of um, frequency in communication um, can cause. Oh yeah. So in the uh, in the dealing with difficult people training that we're doing, those are labeled as the archetype of the constant contact. The person that texts you and then sends you an email says, "Did you get my text?" Then calls you and say, "Hey, did you get my text, my email?" And then shows up at your door and is like, "Hey, I called you, texted you, and do that." And it all happened within like seven minutes. That's our constant contact person. And then the other is the not listener. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to get in touch with them or trying to talk to them. And it's just like they're completely blowing you off or they're off in their own little world. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see both of those behavioral archetypes transition into that digital sphere. And it's interesting because that actually made me think of something. Um, I'm also seeing folks who, because we're doing so much stuff digitally, uh, either on uh, chat platforms uh, that are proprietary or things like Slack or Microsoft Teams, where people who aren't involved in projects are constantly engaging on that topic just to maybe be engaged for that socialization. Where in the other situation where maybe it was being hashed out in an office, maybe they weren't invited to that meeting. You know, so they wouldn't have been involved in the conversation. But now because it's in a chat or something like that, they're trying to get more involved. Yeah. And that can go both ways. Absolutely. You know, from the perspective of uh, over collaboration or even under collaboration and, you know, somebody, somebody uh, uh, jumping in on, you know, you see a meeting going on. Do you always just walk right into that meeting and just start right. talking to it? Or is that right. something where it's like, Oh, okay, well they're having their meeting and we'll have our meeting after. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. What about you, Madison? Have you seen anything from the remote working space? Uh, I, th I guess uh, kind of going back to like the like group things. I think it's time for me to take the notifications off my phone. Uh, we we all have a habit of working out all hours, especially when we're stuck at home. Um, there's not this separation between work and home. So like I'll I was working at six thirty p.m last night there's no like nine i mean you can create a routine but it's kind of hard especially when you have all the time in the world i just pick up my computer and start doing something randomly but yeah uh emails and stuff at like all hours of the night and day notifications <laughs> so sometimes i'm, I'm sorry like, about okay. that <laughs> it's all of so us we all have a bad <laughs> habit of doing it well that's the funny thing too is you know even being uh, a partially remote team before, you know, partially remote or uh, having a working from home beforehand, each of us kind of keeps our own schedule. So some of us are night hawks, some of us are super early morning people. And I guess that comes through even more so on the digital question of, you know, my, my working schedule at any point in time during the week is I'll be at work for eight hours. I'll come home, I'll do a little, you know, dinner or something like that. But then immediately, might do some additional work that evening or just catching up on stuff or doing some value add projects that I like to do. And I don't really think about it because, you know, I'm on my schedule. I don't necessarily expect somebody to respond right away, but 
all of a sudden, you know, when everybody's just at home and they don't have anything to do or there's nothing else distracting them or, you know, any of those that it's all of a sudden, oh, well, that's there. I may as well do that now. And either shifting into breaking a, any kind of routine or becoming a workaholic. And by the way, as much as I appreciate all of the work that everybody does, I don't want any of you to have no work-life balance, obviously. So that's something I think that we can talk about in terms of how can we help uh, other people and other businesses maybe mitigate some of these circumstances that they're finding themselves in, because this is definitely not just unique to our team or anybody else's team. These are things that I know that I have heard from uh, multiple different people. So what are some thoughts? You know, we never we never come up with all the challenges without ever giving our audiences some solutions to think about and how they want to, you know, possibly improve their behavioral intelligence by changing a behavior or two here. So what are some ways in which we can mitigate some of these either home behaviors or mitigate some of these uh, you know, work remote behaviors. What What are some thoughts here? Well, I think one um, that my wife and I have been doing since we're both working remotely now is uh, pretty much every morning uh, we get up, do our morning routine and then say, have a good day at work. But right before that, we kind of figure out what our schedule looks like for that day. Uh, you know, do you have any conference calls? Do you have this or do you have that? Because we are able to do chores around the house uh, throughout the day now, uh, you know, on little breaks here or there. But if if she's going to do a, a web conference, it's probably not a good time for me to plan vacuuming or, you know, doing laundry or doing dishes. Where I'm going to be making a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle. Exactly. Of that, yeah. wait, wait, can you hear me? No, no. That's a vacuum in the background. You know, the, God, you don't pick up do your this. stuff, Mark. <laughs> right. So we kind of walk through what does that look like? And if if we do have calls that are uh, at around the same time, we try to make sure we're far enough apart that there's there's not a overlap. Um, but just having a little communication in terms of what is your schedule like, I think is a, a huge step. And it doesn't have to be a super structured day, but something that you can do and, and maybe scheduling that lunchtime together and having that, you know, those meals together and just talking about stuff that's not work-related too. Uh, I think that's a great point and sort of managing those, managing that communication back and forth and, and sort of even, you know, sharing a calendar. If you haven't had that person that's working at home with you now, whether they work with your company or not, they're kind of your colleague. They're your coworker. Yes. So, you know, they're maybe sometimes sharing that calendar might not be a terrible idea. So, yeah. What about you, ladies? What do you think? How can we, How can our listeners improve their behavioral intelligence and maybe mitigate some challenges that, that they've come across? So um, maybe for the situation where you're getting a lot of emails, um, I've seen someone set up like an auto email response that says, hi, I'm available um, from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and I'll get back to you shortly. And, and so that's like setting a time for yourself that you're open to those kind of requests and a time when you are not on call. So if someone emails you at 11 p.m., you know, I'm not obligated to respond to this right now and try and uh, implement some sort of work-life balance from home. Um, so creating boundaries. Yes, creating boundaries, right, and communicating those boundaries because if, if the boundary only exists within your brain, no one's going to know 
um, how to like support you in that way. So make sure to share them. Yeah. And I think that that's absolutely an important thing because, and, and I know this from myself personally is, uh, from me bouncing around, um, in travel or anything else like that, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, I get the hour to sit down and, and fire off six emails, but you know, I, I should probably even be, I can even take some responsibility for that and say, you know, no need to respond to this today or no expectation to manage this, you know, until you get time or something like that. So not only is it maybe setting your own internal boundaries, but if you're working with or communicating with a remote team, sort of establishing what your expectations are when you are the person sending the emails or when you are the person that's, you know, you can't sleep one night, it's four o'clock in the morning and everybody's Slack notifications are going on, if they, going off if they don't have the the sleep mechanism, you know, on Slack activated. Uh, I think that's a great point. In managing those expectations is something that you would do in face-to-face, but also in the digital world seems to be even more important. What about you, yeah, Matt? Yeah, and I think, I think that's, I'm sorry, I think that's excellent advice, even for when working from home is, is not the option. And it, it, we just, we have a society of so many global teams that putting that kind of communication awareness in your messages, uh, if you're dealing with people in other time zones, mm-hmm. uh, other countries, and just putting that out there so people are aware and even maybe putting in uh, not just your hours, but w- the time zone that you're in as well, because people on the other end of your your message may not know. Yeah, that was actually one of the best practices when we were talking, uh, when we did our online train-to-trainer program was asking people in a registration, what time zone are you in? Because if you're doing a training and you realize that, okay, some of the participants in our training, it might be two o'clock in the morning for them, even though it's, you know, 5 p.m. for you, uh, that's going to have a huge impact on the audience. So knowing those time zones, knowing some of those parameters is is definitely something, especially for remote global teams too. What about you, Madison? What's uh, What's a behavior that somebody could take on that, you know, our audience would, would benefit from that would help us through this remote working time or even around the home? I think that, um, you know, becoming okay with days that you have that are bad or you feel unproductive or maybe you go off your normal schedule. Um, you know, one of the things I wrote about, I wrote a blog about working from home is trying to stick to a routine and I love having a routine, but some days I just don't really want to do it. Um, and you know, just kind of coming to the mindset that, you know, it's okay. I wasn't that productive today, even though I see that, you know, so-and-so got all their work done and also reorganized their entire bedroom and clean the entire house, you know, um, just kind of coming to terms with that. Well, I think that's something that applies in a whole wide variety of things. I mean, offering yourself and the people around you the grace, you know, this is such a unique situation that some days you just flat out stepping back in a way. And and I've actually, you know, the interesting thing is, is I am somebody that works, you know, at any point in time, as much as I want to, as much, I, I really enjoy work, but I, I don't, my hours have decreased, I would say, even from being stuck at home, like I've taken on home projects, or I've stopped and went and made a, a dinner or something of that nature, things that I wouldn't normally do. Usually, I just grab a, a coffee and a bagel from Tim Hortons and call it a day. 
Um, so like I would look at myself and say, hey, maybe I'm not being as productive as I normally am. But I think what you said is is so critical is extending grace to yourself that this is a different time. It's a different environment. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different uh, situation. And also, you know, extending that grace and allowing for other people that, uh, you know, maybe their behaviors have changed and just saying, all right, you know, that's a result of stress or that could be a result of anxiety, result of their situation. So I think that's critically important, you know, being able to take a step back and be like, you know what, today might be Wednesday, but today is nothing is getting done day <laughs> and being 100% okay with that. Because guess what? There's still tomorrow. And at the end of the day, it's more important that we're we're good to ourselves than necessarily hitting, uh, you know, every single one of those deadlines that a lot of times are our own artificial deadlines anyways. So, oh, I, and I agree with that. I mean, there's times where, you know, I can see either in Slack, you know, we, so we use Slack, we use Todoist and a few other programs and I see people checking off tasks and there's some days, uh, even before this, this, uh, pandemic where I just needed a day. And yeah, it, it was challenging to see everybody else checking off all those tasks. And I checked off, you know, 20 episodes of something on Netflix. But, <laughs> I feel um, that. You know, that was, that was my mental day. But then there's some days where I might not go to sleep and I'll work for two days straight nonstop. And well, I don't care how many little check marks somebody else got on that, that day that I took off. I just blew them out of the water in 24 hours of not going to sleep. So it's that finding that balance and, and, and seeing what, what works for you. And, and, and Jay, your, your comment kind of made me chuckle a little bit because it took a pandemic, a uh, global pandemic for, for you to get a little bit of a work-life balance. <laughs> Isn't that kind of ironic? You know, yeah. I mean, that, that, cause everything you just talked about is what most normal people have on a regular day. Oh, you know, I worked for eight hours. I made some dinner, did some projects around the house. <laughs> so they're not unusual for most of society. Um, and so, those are some things that are also good things for us as we kind of readjust. I mean, for, uh, I've noticed that we, at least in America, we are very much a lot of workaholics. We tend to work quite a bit. And I think now I'm seeing a little bit more uh, with social media postings and articles about more of a work-life balance, even though the life part right now is is really going from the destination of your living room to the destination of your backyard, and that's about it. Um, that balance is is getting a little more corrected. It's almost like this pandemic is self-correcting our, our day-to-day living. Yeah. No, I'm not in disagreement with that. And, you know, this this pandemic's actually had uh, multiple impacts on a wide variety of things. I mean, there's a whole bunch of pollution decreasing. There's a whole bunch of less reliance on automobiles. There's a re- less reliance on a, a number of different things. And I think, you know, one of the things that we'll probably talk about in future episodes is how does this, you know, how does this shape the new tomorrow? And what does this really look like post uh, the pandemic quarantines and everything else? But I think one of the behaviors that I really want to uh, communicate to the audience as an opportunity and maybe a, a unique opportunity is really get to that point of asking why. We've never been put into a position where virtually all work is now 
being done online and all, uh, you know, teams are remote, not all, but, you know, obviously there's still essential services and thank you to all of those essential services that are still out on the front lines. But for those of you that are participating in remote teams or remote work, something for you to think about is asking these questions of why we've just gotten placed into a sociological experiment. As far as that goes, there's so many questions that are unanswered for, um, how these things can play out and function. And we're all getting baptized with it very quickly. So when you see those behaviors around the house that are frustrating you, or you see those behaviors on a conference call that's driving you nuts, and you see those behaviors from remote colleagues or whatever they are, take a moment and really analyze it. Use the behavioral intelligence model and, and you know try to explain them, try to predict them. Um, that's going to give you an opportunity to find those ways of influencing and coming up with a better strategy of maybe having that conversation with that coworker who doesn't know how to use the damn mute button on the conference call or it you know that doesn't realize that every time that they start yelling into their microphone that it really just makes everybody on the other side of the screen cringe um or the people that are you know the people that are in the home that you know under normal circumstances, it would have never bothered you if they got up at six o'clock in the morning and worked out every day. But now in this new world, they are. So ask those questions of why and be willing to, you know, extend grace, but also be willing to address some of those challenges and just make sure that you have that opportunity to build the relationships. Because while we're distancing, we're not, you know, completely alone here and, you know, mending some of those virtual relationships it's probably something that uh, we're going to have to learn together in a lot of cases and, and making sure that our tone or our inflections didn't come through the wrong way on Slack. So extending that grace, but asking those questions of why, I think is a, is a great strategy. Any final thoughts you want to leave our audience with when it comes to conflict and the virtual world? Be patient. You can take extra time to clarify if there are any miscommunications, especially since you um, don't really have in-person body language as a tool. Yeah, a lot, a lot of communications lost from that. That's a great point, Stephanie. What else? I second what she said. Be patient, be kind. This is a tough time for everyone. So just try to keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's that's something that even we talk about in, in dealing with difficult people is, you know, you can't really judge how somebody's experiencing the world or what they're going through just by necessarily what they show in the front cover. And, you know, sometimes when you open up that door and you and you get a peek inside, you get to see where your assumptions were maybe on or off. And, and we don't know what somebody else is struggling with. So having that patience and that ability to take a step back and offer that grace is, I think, a really, really critical thing. What about you, Mark? I think that's great. And, and you know, with, with all these web calls, you don't know what's going on on the other side of their webcam. Yeah. Uh, what other what other craziness is going on in the room or in the building in the house that, that they're dealing with? Um, my, my thought is scheduling and kind of boundaries and, and don't get sucked into working 24 seven just because it's, it's there. Yep. You know, take that time, go outside, uh, get fresh air, things like that. And just a quick little uh, 
story. Uh, yesterday, my wife and I ran to the grocery store to get our essentials, and we were uh, out on our front porch, middle of the afternoon, uh, Lysoling and bleaching all the items before we brought them into the house. Our neighbor, who's 83 years old, fell uh, when he was getting his mail and busted his face open. Mm. We were outside and we could get over there real quick, you know, stop, help him to try to stop the bleeding, call 911 um, and everything like that. If that had been a normal day, I wouldn't have been outside. I wouldn't have been home. My wife wouldn't have been home and there may not have been anybody else around. Yeah. So getting outside and meeting your neighbors and in good scenarios uh, is good, but um, six feet away, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Six feet away. Uh, but doing those kinds of things, uh, getting getting out of the house, not just um, being trapped in indoors. Yeah, go get the fresh air. I think, yeah, no, I think that's absolutely. Um, I think that's absolutely a, a really nice way to look at it and to say, uh, giving yourself that that ability to have work life balance and dividing those two things, I think, is something critical that we're all going to have to continue to navigate. I think uh, my last thought on this is going to be uh, to when you're finding yourself frustrated with colleagues' behaviors or roommates' behaviors, to take a step back and remember a couple of things that you're grateful for. This is true even outside of the virtual world or the world that we live in. This could be at the office. You know, when you find yourself really at odds with somebody or when you find yourself really frustrated with somebody's behavior, it's almost as though everything that they do just ends up driving you absolutely nuts. Take a step back and think about some of the reasons why maybe you're grateful that you're there with your family or finding those different places or those different pieces where you can say, you know what, here is the silver lining. Here's something that's positive about this. Here's something that I can move forward with. Or here's one reason why you know I can choose to extend grace because I'm very grateful for X, Y, or Z. I think that that's a way to kind of start shifting a little bit of that mentality, especially when you're dealing with a difficult person, whether it's virtual or whether it's uh, right next to you in the room at home. So hopefully you found some tips today to get through some of these behavioral challenges, whether it's in the house or externally. Uh, In the future, we'll obviously talk about other ways that we can help to mitigate some conflicts and, and manage some of these different personalities that we come across, whether it's in the virtual world or not. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Behave Intelligently. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. If you want to learn more about Coeus Creative Group, visit our website or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in next week when we talk more about behaving intelligently.